0: About the time I think it can't get better, it does. All right, thank you guys, that was great. What a, what a message, and it goes right along with the message of the hour, uh, Psalm 46, if you will turn there, Psalm 46, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to invite you to, you know, electronically or with your finger in your pages or however you do it, uh, to also... Have open Isaiah thirty-six, and I'm going to help you. You know, PowerPoint should uh, direct you a little bit on that. Uh, But I want you to understand that it's really important. Thank you for turning on the volume. Do I need to repeat all that? Okay, I hope not. Uh, I hope that you'll understand that there is a historical root to this message. There's a basis for it, I believe, and I know that uh, many commentators. Uh, They say, well, we just don't know. Uh, There are a few uh, that have said that this has to do with the besieging of Jerusalem when Hezekiah was king and the Assyrians uh, surrounded the city. And I really believe that uh, that is exactly where uh, this comes from, and uh, we're going to see that today. All right, Psalm 46. I'm in Isaiah. I should read Psalm 46. Follow as I read. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. If you're not in trouble today, you will be in trouble in the future, and we've all been in trouble sometime in the past. There have been calamities, there have been issues that have come up, there have been pressures that uh, we have faced, and uh, to one degree or another, we know what trouble is all about. Notice verse 2, arguing from Really, the lesser to the greater, notice this, therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and are troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams thereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he had made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth, He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. I think that we will all recognize verse 9 looks way ahead uh, to that millennial kingdom. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. A mighty fortress is our God. We know that song, and Martin Luther based that song upon the text that we just read. The psalm is celebrating the power of God. We see God's power over nature and over the attacks of the enemies and over the mighty armies of the world. He's over all of that. One commentator said the psalm was composed at a time of crisis, which makes the confession of faith doubly impressive. Now, again, many writers have said we can't really know. The setting is unidentified. But it's my belief that the occasion was Sennacherib's besieging of Jerusalem. Isaiah 36 and 37 and 2 Kings 18 and 19 are exactly the same wording. Uh, We find the account of that besieging in both of those places, and again, in Second Chronicles thirty-two one to twenty-three, it records this event in a little different wording and possibly a condensed version. But that's three times in the Old Testament, not including Psalm forty-six, that we see this event and God uses it in our our learning in our lives uh, to instruct us about His power and His presence. Who was Hezekiah? Hezekiah was the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. Uh, One of the godliest kings uh, that followed David, other than Josiah maybe, the godliest. In 2 Kings 18.5 He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, uh, nor any that were before him. And so what happened under him? There was a great revival. All the idols were were removed. The, The temple doors were opened and By the way, his father Ahaz had closed the temple doors, and now Hezekiah is reopening them and reopening worship. He rebelled against Sargon, king of Assyria, the father of Sennacherib. And and then uh, Sennacherib became the king, and he was able to do something about it. He was able to attack. And so Hezekiah originally paid tribute to Sennacherib. He was terrified that the northern ten tribes were taken captive. And instead of really uh, trusting God at that time completely, he made terms of peace uh, with Sennacherib, and that peace did not last. And so Hezekiah learned, and I believe we should learn today, that trust in the presence of God is sufficient to meet all of the troubles and all of the trials that you will face in life. Life's greatest trials are minimized and we can have victory through them by knowing the presence of God, by trusting Him in all of those affairs. And so trust in God's presence removes fear. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear. Now there are many reasons to be fearful, legitimate reasons in fact. That's one of God's protective and defensive qualities uh, that He's given each of us, and it's not sinful in and of itself, unless it's allowed to be overly inflated, unrealistic, and paralyzing. Fear should never do that to us. Faith in God's presence removes us from that kind of fear. We read in Second, uh, excuse me, in Isaiah thirty-six some reasons why this king, Hezekiah, would be fearful. And you, you get, get into chapter 36 and verse 6. You have little help. You're not going to have anybody to come and help you. Lo, thou trusted in the staff of this broken reed on Egypt. Isaiah had warned not to go down to Egypt for help or to stay on chariots, to, to trust in those kinds of things. No, not to do that. And, and uh, yet, there seemed to be a little bit of reserve uh, there. Well, we could always go down to you. No, don't do that. He's saying, you're not going to find any help there. He said, you have no remaining high places. Hezekiah removed them all. In chapter 36, verse 7, whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away. And he's told you to to worship before the altar in Jerusalem when these high places have been there all along. And little did the enemy know that the high places were what were not needed in Israel. The high places withheld God's presence instead of bringing God's presence to them. They said in Isaiah 36 and 8 and 9, You're just a few people. You know, if we gave you 2,000 soldiers and horses, and you wouldn't be able to to, to do anything with them against the vast army uh, that we have. And then he said, Jehovah commanded me, in verse 10 of the same chapter, the Lord said unto me, go up against this land and destroy it. So really, I'm doing what God said. They were quoting the word of God, yet perverting the word of God. In fact, they may have been listening to Isaiah's preaching and twisting it all around. They said there's no need to sacrifice, Isaiah 36, 16, and 17. They said, we'll give you all these great things, you know? You know, kind of like Hitler did with the Jews, we're going to relocate you to a better place. You know, in that case, it was a gas chamber. Here, the relocation is going to be to a place like that, No doubt. Uh, Come out, we'll give everyone a vine, everyone his own fig tree. You can drink every one of the waters of his own cistern. Until I come and take you to a land that is not your own, it's going to be a great place. It's like the promises of the world that deceive us. And then they said others have failed, Isaiah 36, 18 to 20. Other gods have failed to stand against Nisroch, the god uh, of Assyria. Well... Here's where I want you to zero in. I want you actually to look at this, if you can. Isaiah 36, 18 to 20. It says, excuse me, Beware lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? If you have a way to underline or to highlight highlight the word out of the hand, because you're going to see it three more times in just a moment. Out of the hand, it's a key phrase for this particular message. Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphag? Where are the gods of Severavim? And had they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of these lands that have delivered their land out of my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? Four times we have that phrase. And so the question is, what confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Isaiah 36 and verse 4. Who are you to trust? What basis do you have to trust in this? Why are you so obstinate? Why are you not surrendering to us? Everything is against you. And yet we get to Psalm 46. God is our refuge. He's a a present protection. He is. He's present. He's reliable. He's accessible. And immediately so. God is with these people. And God is our personal possession. He's our strength. God is my refuge and and my strength. He's a refuge. He's the one who protects us. In 2 Samuel we read that he is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my Savior, and he saves me from violence. He's my strength. He keeps us strong and confident and unafraid. In 2 Samuel again, chapter 22 Who is a rock? Save our God. Who is God? Uh, Who is who? God is my strength and my power, and maketh my way perfect. Psalm eighteen, verse one, is one of my favorite verses. I will love the Lord. I will. (laughs) One of my favorite. I will love the O Lord. My strength. My strength. Psalm nineteen, verse fourteen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. What? My strength and my Redeemer. Trust ye in the Lord forever, Isaiah says, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. My strength is made perfect in weakness. It's God's strength uh, within us. Spurgeon says this, Not our armies or our fortresses. Others vaunt their impregnable castles placed on inaccessible rocks and secured with gates of iron. But God is a better refuge from distress than all these. Our God is. Therefore, will we not fear? He's the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? I will not fear what flesh can do unto me, Psalm 56. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me, Hebrews 13 and verse 6. And so the presence of God is sufficient to meet life's greatest trials. Trust in God's presence removes fear from our hearts or from the situation. But trust in God's presence also provides us with security and glad fellowship. Psalm 46 and verse 4, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God glad fellowship, there's a river. I think when we read that, we recognize that this is something beyond the tangible. This is something beyond the historical. That's something that relates to God's presence in our lives and God's presence uh, with his people. However, a historical note, it's been long recognized that Hezekiah dug a tunnel or a conduit of 1,750 feet to bring water from the Gihon uh, into the city of Jerusalem. You can see that in 2 Kings 20 and verse 20. And it was just in December uh, that there was a, a new discovery, per se, not, not the discovery of itself, but its interpretation. Christian Post records an Israeli professor. Uh, he translated an 8th century B.C. inscription containing the name of King Hezekiah. And he called it one of the most important archaeological discoveries in Israel of all time. That's a big statement, all right? Back in 2007, they discovered these palm-sized limestone uh, tablets, and on this one tablet, they were able, after 10 years, to decipher what it said, and, and it was able to confirm the story Uh, Of what we're talking about, about the besieging of Jerusalem and Hezekiah's work uh, there in uh, diverting the Gihon. Well, believers have an internal river from God. It comes from the outside to the inside. We have no internal resources of our own. Uh, The only thing that we can say is, God, uh, you have given us your Holy Spirit, and now uh, you are accessible to us uh, in our lives and and in our heart. One commentator says, there's a river that causes the people of God's city to be glad, and uh, that's certainly true. In speaking to the woman at the well, Jesus said, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He says in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And pushing ahead to John chapter 7, the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Matthew Henry. The spiritual comforts which are conveyed to the saints by soft and silent whispers, and which come not with observation, are sufficient to counterbalance the most loud and noisy threatenings of any angry and malicious world. So true. The gently flowing water that sustains Jerusalem is like the Lord's indwelling and refreshing presence through His Spirit in our lives today. We come to the Lord as as thirsty souls that need our souls quenched, and we need forgiveness. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that hears say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. We never stop thirsting for God, for the living God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come to appear before God? Psalm 63 says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Isaiah, Behold, God is my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and song. He also is become my salvation. And the next verse. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Wow. What a promise that is. In this case, Old Testament, we just read you what Jesus said about it in the book of John. The wells of salvation, plural. God is there to meet all the various needs of life and all the challenges. We can draw from the reservoir of salvation in the indwelling presence of God. Noah drew from the well of God's presence to face, no doubt face, ridicule and mockery as he finished the work of the ark. Joseph appropriated faith from the well of God's presence doing mistreatment and slavery and imprisonment. And Moses drew from the well of God's presence faith to renounce the world with all of its power and promises and pleasures in exchange for the recompense that God had promised. David's encouragement came from the well of God's promises, and Stephen's boldness was drawn from the same well. And this is true of the, the, the three Hebrew children and all the heroes of faith. And so knowing God's presence is key. It was knowing God's presence that allowed Paul and Silas to find that reservoir of joy that became the great testimony in face of suffering and persecution. So based upon this river of fellowship, Hezekiah was able to go to God in prayer. He knew his God. Isaiah 37, if you want to follow that you can, verses 12 or 14 to 17. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwellest between the cherubims, thou art God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. And thou hast made heaven and earth. Incline thine ear, O Lord, and open thine eyes, O Lord, and see... And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which has sent to reproach the living God. He said, God, hear it. God, see it. God, I know that we can trust you to do something about it. We have a river, the Lord is with us. And that presence of the Lord removes fear, gives us glad fellowship. It allows us to have real security in life. God is in the midst of her. The Lord of hosts is with us. The city's security is assured by the fact that God lives there. The temple was resident there. And he's ready to defend the city. Now, we individually, as New Testament believers, we are the temple of God. God's Holy Spirit lives in us, and, and we belong to him. The God of Jacob appears often in the Psalms, the God of all promises, the God of God's plan, the God that says, I'm going to accomplish, the God that says, I'm going to provide ultimately a savior and ultimately all things that, in the culmination. The Lord of hosts is a military title, portraying God as the commander of the armies, and he certainly has the power to defend. Isaiah 37, again, 33 to 35, Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into this city. For I will defend this city. Why was he going to do that? I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake, And for my servant David's sake, for my name's sake, for the promises that I've given to David, for my promises, I'm going to come and defend you, defend this city. Acts chapter 9, you remember when Saul was on the road to Damascus, he was there confronted with Jesus Christ. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Wait a minute. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, Saul hadn't directly persecuted him. He persecuted his name, but he persecuted his people. And when you touch the people of God that belong to Jesus, you're touching Jesus. And when you touch God's city, in this this case, uh, and and God says, I'm going to defend the city for my sake and for my servant David's sake, I'm going to do that for my own glory. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Literally, it's saying this. If our faith fails, if we have a lapse of faith, if we are unfaithful at some point, it doesn't change anything. He abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. We belong to him. God's presence removes fear. God's presence provides security and glad fellowship. And God's presence provides timely deliverance. Now, I'm going to center in on verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. Be still. Drop your weapons, worldly armies, Those that oppose God, drop your weapons, stop fighting, quiet, leave it off. You're never going to win. That's one side of it. It's a warning to the nations. But it's also in the same vein an encouragement to Israel to know that God is the one in control. We can have confidence in him, confident faith in God. We are to cease all fleshly activity. All options other than God should be denied, and we should trust Him and His Word in all things. This is based upon the former acts of God. We can have trust. Behold the works of the Lord. Amazing things, astounding things, surprising things. Things like the firstborn in Egypt killed in the quietness of the night. Elijah offering uh, fire on Mount Carmel in response to prayer to God. God, do it. Show yourself in this hour but consider Hezekiah's experience I am God verse 10 Isaiah 37 18 and 19 of a truth Lord the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their armies or countries and have cast their gods into the fire for they were no gods no gods but the work of men's hands wood and stone therefore therefore had they destroyed them now, it's, it's not surprising that the other nations couldn't stand up. They don't have what we have. They will be defeated. I'm not surprised that those armies were able to be defeated by the Assyrian army and their nations and their lands overrun. Not surprising at all. But we are not in that category. I am God. I will be exalted. Isaiah 37, 20 Now therefore, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. That all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. It speaks of salvation of the glory of God. Absolutely. Now the story ends this way. The angel of the Lord slew 185,000 Assyrian soldiers on the field. Psalm 46, 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved, and God shall help her, and that right early. And the angel of the Lord went forth and slew in the camp of the Assyrians 104 score and 5,000. And when they arose early... In the morning, right out of the psalm, when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. You understand, Hezekiah is praying. There's no way that they could humanly stand up against a, a vast army like this, a most powerful army in that day. And yet, they spread it, he spread it before the Lord. They woke up early in the morning, and 185,000 dead corpses. By the way, I didn't know there was any other thing. Uh, all corpses are dead, I thought, okay? But nevertheless, now I might take a, an extra minute here because I want to be very clear in what the story I'm going to tell you. Uh, very clear what my intention is. Uh, I want to I'm going to tell you a story, true story. Some of you have heard this before. Most of you have not. Um, I was in seminary in another city, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I got a Master of Arts here and. My wife got a teaching position in Chattanooga, so I finished seminary down there. And I was working as a security guard, an armed security guard in uh, in grocery stores. And by the way, they do not put armed security in nice places, okay? They just do not. And uh, I was was getting paid very well. I mean, I think minimum wage was like $2.30, and I was getting paid like, $2.35 $2.35 or $0.40 cents an hour. I'm not joking about that. I mean, I, I was getting paid a pittance for doing this, and I feel so stupid about that part of the story. So one afternoon, uh, I am in the grocery store. Now, you said, was it really that bad of a place? Well, there were two grocery stores I was in quite often, and there was a crystal in between those two in the parking lot. How many of you know what a crystal is? Like White Castle, Crystal, you know, you never go near those places. I understand that. Okay, but that's what, what it was. And I was in M&J Food Store on an afternoon, and the Red Food Store was just on the other side of the Crystal. I, also, I was often in that store. And a lot of people start coming into M&J, you know, more than usual. What's going on? You didn't hear? Uh, there was a shooting over there. A police officer was killed, and, and uh, you know, one of the holdup men was killed. And, you know, big story. And I could show you on the Internet that w- the one guy ended up being on the 10 most wanted FBI list as a result of what happened that day and other things that he had done. So here I am uh, in a store, not that day, but a different day, and there's some shoplifting guys. These guys are well in their 20s. One of them is married. I know he had had kids. He came in for baby formula sometimes. And uh, another guy, they called him Pig. Now, if you saw him, you would know why they called him Pig, all right? Uh, He was a mean-looking guy, and uh, they they were both going one way, one's going the other. They're shoplifting, and I'm following them trying to do my job. And I guess I did my job a little too well that day because there turned out to be a confrontation in one of the aisles with the two guys standing there, and uh, I'm some distance. I'm probably as far away from them at this point as Mrs. M and I. I mean, we're in the aisle, and uh, they're saying some things I can't repeat. And, and uh, one of them said that they were going to knock me down and take my gun like they had done another guard. And Pig says, and we're going to sell it for smack, man. They made a little bit of a move coming toward me and I put my hand on my gun. Now here's what I want to make very clear. I'm going to take a little extra time. Um, I most recently said to a friend, I said, you know, I've made it all the way through, almost 70 years old and I've never had to take a human life and I hope I can leave this world and never have to do that. I believe in army. I believe in self-defense. I believe that there's justification for doing that at times. Um, but I hope I never have to do that. But that day, I looked at them and I said, if you come any closer to me, I'm going to shoot you. Now, they knew me well enough to know that I talked to myself. So said, what do you mean? I'd stand around the grocery store with a bunch of verse cards And a lot of guys really thought I was nuts, okay? And that was very helpful, all right? All right, so I I said, I'm going to shoot you. And they said, we're going to come back when the store is closed, and we're going to blow your head off with a shotgun. That was very comforting. And I remember praying on that afternoon, and just saying, Lord, I'm just trying to finish seminary. Lord, I just want to serve you. Lord, it's only $2.30 an hour, and I got to do this, you know? I mean, I, I, was, I was really concerned. Lord, you got to do something about this. And you say, well, why didn't you call the police? Well, if you call the police every time something like that is said, you know, you, you, you wouldn't have your job. I mean, you just don't do that. And I, I probably should have, but I didn't. And uh then, right about closing time, they were there. And I'm thinking, man, this is serious. Those guys are out there. And, uh, and so one of them got on, it was Pig, got on a little bicycle with a banana seat and high handlebars. You know, back in the 70s, that was a, that was a thing. And uh, I understand, this guy's in his 20s, and he's riding this little kid's bicycle, and he's jumping the curb. curb's about like this, all right? And, uh, one time he pulled too hard and he went off backwards and he laid his head wide open. People are coming in. You got to help, help, help. You know, call somebody. I got out there and here's pig laying there in a pool of blood like this. The emergency people came, put him in the ambulance and took him away. I had eye contact with the other guy. I don't know his name. And, uh, he looked troubled. You know what? They were noisy. They were threatening. They were threatening to do me in. And they were threatening to take away my entire ministry that I've now enjoyed all of those years. I may have been foolish in how I handled it. I maybe I could have handled it better. I don't know what I would have actually done. I think I know what I would have done. But God knew all of that. Be still and know that I am God. Now, how was it that Hezekiah could be ready for this kind of threatening time? Because he cultivated it day by day. All you have to do is take a look at his prayer that I just quoted for you. And and you know that he was filled with the word of God and he knew the promises of God and he knew the God that he could trust and he was willing to get. Go to him in the crisis and spread it before God to take care of it. I know it's probably apocryphal, but, you know, it's been used many times that Michelangelo, when he was painting the Sistine Chapel, sometimes would just stop and for a day or two just look at the the ceiling. And the the Pope, probably paying him by the hour, uh, got frustrated. The job's not getting done. And he replied to the Pope, When I take my longest pauses, I make my most telling strokes. If you don't take time to fellowship with God, to meditate in His Word, to access Him, the internal one, the Spirit of God enlightening you to the Word of God, if you don't have regular times when you do that, when the crisis comes, you're going to run to somebody else you know, you're going your mouth is going to go, you're going to think all the wrong things, you're going to run from one thing to the next, and I'm, I'm going to assure you that that's not the answer. The answer is get to know your God. And you'll find yourself with boldness, and you'll find yourself with confidence in all that you do for him, knowing that he is with you, and he will protect. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the good attention of the students today. Thank you, Lord, for allowing them to give me a few more minutes today. And I pray, God, your blessing on their lives as they walk with you. Use them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.